and welcome back to X-Men Unraveled. I'm Noelle. I know I've been MIA for a little bit, but today's episode will be a little bit longer to make up for it. I always say that this is a podcast that tells the story of the X-Men in chronological order, but it's really about all mutants, whether they are X-Men or not. And that is going to be important today as I continue with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Last time I covered the origins of the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, mainly the Scarlet Witch, and today I'm going to continue with Magneto's other recruits to the Brotherhood and their first run-in with the X-Men. Like Charles Xavier, who searched around for mutants to create his team, Magneto was busy doing his own recruitment for what is ostensibly his terrorist organization. I prefer the term revolutionary because, as you know by now, I think Magneto had things right from the beginning. But he does do some sketchy shit this time around, for sure. These early years of Magneto's terrorism can be hard to square with his later place as a redeemed hero, but I don't really have that problem for the most part. Revolutions are always drastic, often violent, and involve forcing the larger society to change, whether it wants to or not. And by the time revolutions start, peaceful methods have been exhausted and the oppressed rise up. Magneto has already seen mutants be persecuted in the world by humans. We've also seen the members of the X-Men, the quote-unquote good mutants, attacked by humans who are afraid of them. And possibly most importantly, Magneto has experienced the extreme ramifications of unchecked persecution as a Holocaust survivor. So to me, it's easy to see how these experiences have pushed Magneto into becoming the extremist of the early years of the comics. Of course, that is casually overlooking the fact that his backstory isn't revealed for a long time in publication history, but since we have the benefit of reading this in 2022, I have no problem with the mental gymnastics that are involved. And it is a benefit of reading these stories chronologically. We already know Magneto's mindset and experiences when we see what he's up to with the Brotherhood, so it's a lot easier than looking at his actions in the vacuum in which they existed at his introduction publication-wise. I'm going to spend the first part of the episode covering a few attempts that Magneto made to recruit new members to the Brotherhood that didn't really pan out, and then I'll talk about Toad and Mastermind before diving into issues number four and five of the X-Men when the heroes meet the Brotherhood for the first time. So let's get started. There are five members of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants when we meet them in X-Men number four, Magneto, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Toad, and Mastermind. But not everyone that Magneto extended an offer to join the Brotherhood was interested. In Web of Spider-Man number two from 2009, Magneto makes a trip to meet Spider-Man villain Electro. He was just a regular guy named Maxwell Dillon who worked as a lineman until one day a freak accident involving lightning and power cables gave him superpowers. Sometime after that, in this issue, Electro wanted to increase his powers and set up some elaborate machine in his house to do so. When he used it, it caused a disturbance in the force, I mean the surrounding electromagnetic field, which tipped off Magneto, so he, Quicksilver, and Wanda showed up to investigate. Quicksilver races in first, and when Electro spots him, he zaps him, knocking him out cold. Then Magneto and Wanda walk in, which pisses Electro off more. He wants them out and goes to attack Magneto, 
but Magneto traps Electro in all the metal around the house so that he can't move. Electro starts telling him about the accident that gave him powers, and Magneto says that lightning doesn't just change somebody like that, so it must have activated something that was already inside Maxwell Dillon's body. He calls it a latency, neither mutant nor human. So Magneto knows that Electro is a mutate rather than a mutant. But Electro goes off on a brief anti-mutant tirade, and Magneto is, like, surprisingly chill about it. He says humans are not going to make a distinction between what Electro is and what mutants are. So he offers him a spot in the Brotherhood, saying that together they can control both sides of the electromagnetic spectrum. But Electro is not having it and says that he's not going to be controlled by anyone. So he sets off an explosion of his powers and starts saying how great he's going to be and how everyone who treated him badly is going to pay. And Magneto doesn't really even let him finish. He just turns around and tells Wanda and Pietro that it's time to go. Quicksilver asks if they shouldn't maybe just bring him along in case Xavier tries to recruit Electro instead. But Magneto brushes it off and says Xavier is not going to pay attention to Electro and neither will anybody else. It's a quick story, um, but it's kind of fun, even though it is strange to see Magneto offer a place in his brotherhood of evil mutants to a human. He is mutated, but he's still a human. It's pretty out of character, especially for the time of Magneto's life that it's supposed to take place, but can probably chalk that up to it occurring in a non-X-Men comic. Another of Magneto's recruitment attempts occurs in Marvel Comics Presents number 3, which takes a bit more of a darker turn. This time, Magneto, Wanda, and Quicksilver travel to a war-torn East Berlin to meet a man going by the name Whisper. He's a mutant with the power to steal secrets from anyone. There's not too much explanation, but his powers are referred to as being related specifically to secrets rather than just telepathy which seems like it would probably accomplish the same thing. Anyway, Magneto, Wanda, and Quicksilver arrive at Whisper's hideout, and one of his guards tells Magneto that Whisper wants to prevent what happened at Auschwitz from ever happening to mutants. And this really moves Magneto, and when he meets Whisper inside, he immediately hugs him, believing that he's another Holocaust survivor. They have a conversation that they both see humans prejudiced toward mutants leading to genocide, but then Whisper reveals that his human name was Carl Reifschneider, and Magneto has heard this name before. He confronts Reifschneider and tells him that he remembers him working at Auschwitz and forcing people into the gas chambers. In the story, he actually says that his family was taken to the gas chambers by Reifschneider, uh, but that's not how it happened in Magneto Testament, so I'm going to defer to that. Realizing who his potential ally is completely changes Magneto's mind. He attacks Reifschneider, who begs for his life, and says that he was too young to know what he was doing. Magneto is like, shut up, because he's heard every Nazi excuse. Whisper desperately tries to convince Magneto that his powers are valuable enough to justify working with him, but Magneto obviously still refuses. He destroys the building, crushing Reifschneider, apparently killing him. Wanda questions him afterward and says that Reifschneider could have helped them save so many mutant lives, but Magneto just says he would have been no help to us, and they leave. So the Brotherhood doesn't gain a new member, but Magneto gets to kill a Nazi, so that seems like a win to me. 
It also fits really well with what we've seen of Magneto in the past. He previously broke ties with human government agencies, specifically for their collaboration with former Nazis. So in the end, Magneto is true to his principles, because of course he is. Magneto is not going to work with a fucking Nazi. There's one more recruit who does join the Brotherhood, but then leaves before their first appearance in X-Men number four. Her name is Astra. She doesn't appear in any publications until 1999 in Uncanny X-Men number 366 and X-Men number 86. We don't learn a whole lot about her because the main plot is about her taking vengeance on Magneto later in their lives, and it's very complicated, but we get some flashbacks and some idea of her short time with the Brotherhood. Astra reveals that she had joined the Brotherhood early on and decided to leave because she was more concerned about making money. Magneto promised it to her, and she wasn't really getting paid. She also says that Magneto emotionally beat her, which is probably true. He's kind of a dick to everyone at this time, so I have no reason to question that. And so she ends up ditching the Brotherhood before the pages of X-Men number four, and we end up with two other mutants joining the team, Toad and Mastermind. Despite their early introduction in the comics, all the way back in X-Men number four, we really don't get much in the way of either backstory or the actual recruitment of Toad and Mastermind. I don't know why this is, especially in Toad's case, because he's a villain that has appeared regularly in the comics and has even showed up in the movies, so he's pretty well known. And Mastermind is not necessarily a background villain either, but I'll go over the basics because that's literally all we have. Toad is a mutant named Mortimer Toynbee with the incredible power of being able to jump good. At various times, he does get other powers based, I can only assume, is what the writers want him to be able to do at that point. Um, he's been able to secrete poison that paralyzes his targets and even control other people's minds through a pheromone released from his tongue. Very weird, and that is the last I'm going to mention that today. But primarily and without fail, Toad has superhuman agility and can jump and leap great distances. He also has a distinctive, unflattering appearance that other characters find repulsive, and this really shapes his experiences. I desperately wanted there to be an interesting, in-depth story I would get to share about Toad's early life, but it's pretty bare bones, and I really don't even have any specific issues to reference. This is basically all from the Marvel websites. Toad was born in England, but he was abandoned by his parents very early on. From there, he was sent to an orphanage where his odd appearance left him ridiculed by other children. And at some point in his childhood, Toad was experimented on by the Black Womb Project. I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I always have to remind myself exactly what it was, so I'll give a quick recap. It was a project that studied and experimented on mutant children, run by Mr. Sinister collaborator Amanda Mueller. And it was located in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And Charles Xavier's father worked there as well, Charles Xavier being another mutant experimented on by the project. What they did to Toad at Black Womb is left to the imagination, but apparently it left his powers unstable, which we can take as an explanation for his ever-shifting set of powers. All of these early traumas left Toad as someone desperate for love and friendship, but also lacking the mental stability to form relationships, and generally not just upset other people by his mere presence. Not even for how he looks, just for how he is. 
That sounds harsh, but we see it explicitly play out in the comics. Um, He will become somewhat obsessed with the Scarlet Witch and develop feelings for her, and then mistake her kindness for reciprocation with very unpleasant results. And there's another story in The Amazing Spider-Man number 266, where Spider-Man saves Toad from a suicide attempt. And after Spider-Man is nice to him, Toad latches on and starts becoming extremely clingy. Spider-Man is not thrilled and tries to let Toad down gently, but that does not go very well. Toad tries to set up an ambush of a bunch of criminals to attack Spider-Man so that Toad can be the one to rescue him. And it's just a very sad attempt for Toad to feel needed and helps give some context to why he tolerates the treatment he receives from Magneto in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which is not great. When, how, and why Magneto recruits Toad is not told in the comics. Maybe Toad just latched on to Magneto after meeting somewhere, and Magneto tolerated him enough to let him hang around. I have no evidence for this theory, but Magneto puts together a pretty powerful bunch in the Brotherhood, and then there's Toad. So in my mind, that's how I imagine it went down. Last but not least, Mastermind is the final member of the Brotherhood. His name is Jason Wingard, and we met him briefly when I told the story of Magneto's daughter Polaris. He was the one who altered her memories so that she lost her recollection of her parents' death and emergence of her powers. As with Toad, we don't know a whole lot about Mastermind. Before Magneto found him and recruited him, he was working as a carnival mentalist, so this probably meant he was using his powers to appear to hypnotize people. He has the ability to cast illusions that appear real to the people who see them. They're extremely convincing and cause lots of problems for heroes, so I imagine it was a pretty good carnival show that he put on. But that's about all there is um, about Mastermind's early life, except that he will live up to the evil part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And with these two, we have the full lineup of the Brotherhood. Magneto, Quicksilver, the Scarlet Witch, Toad, and Mastermind. So let's see how their first run-in with the X-Men goes. Uncanny X-Men number four opens up with the team training in the danger room. It's a pretty familiar sight by now with them practicing their powers through various obstacles. But at the end of their training, Xavier has Jean open a box with her telepathy and inside is a cake. Xavier tells the group that it is to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the team, and the X-Men enjoy a happy little moment celebrating their progress and friendship. The scene changes, and we see the inverse of the happy X-Men team, with our first look at the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. All of the team, except Magneto, are sitting at the table bickering through dinner, which doesn't look very appealing. Quicksilver tells Toad that he's disgusting when he eats, and Mastermind casts an illusion that makes Toad look like a pig. He says that, since his manners are so piggy, he should look like one too. But the Scarlet Witch is not amused, and tells Mastermind that his illusions are just as bad as Toad's table manners. Mastermind responds like the asshole that he is, and said that he likes females who are spunky like her. Immediate red flag. Wanda uses her powers to knock over a pitcher of water onto Mastermind, and then Quicksilver and Mastermind get in a fight. It's a whole mess, and honestly, a great contrast to the nice little scene we got of the X-Men. The group continues arguing until Toad wonders where their great leader, Magneto, is. He says, What wondrous deed can he be performing now to make Homo sapiens tremble? 
He is a fanboy. We don't have to wait long to find out, because the next panel reveals Magneto interrupting business in the office of a shipping line where they're looking for buyers for an ex-convoy freighter outfitted with cannons. Magneto does this apparently just for the drama, because he announces to the businessman that he's taking the ship and then goes out, steals it, and sails it away. Like, what purpose did his announcement make, other than for him to cause a scene? But I guess when you're in that outfit, if there's a scene to make, you gotta make it. While Magneto sails away with his stolen ship, which I think makes him a pirate, Angel just happens to be flying overhead, and he's confused about how an empty ship could be sailing itself, because he doesn't see anyone on board. He flies down to investigate, but doesn't see anything, and leaves before he gets any information, or Magneto spots him. Angel arrives back at the mansion, and Xavier is really alarmed at the story of the ship, but doesn't find out any news for a few days. After commandeering the ship, Magneto returns to his base, where Toad immediately starts tattling on all the others for fighting. And then Quicksilver comes up and tells Magneto that he and Wanda are done. They are leaving the Brotherhood. But this is where we get that scene of Magneto reminding Wanda of the debt she owes him, for saving her life when she accidentally lit a village on fire, uh, so the twins cave and stay with the group. Magneto loads the Brotherhood up onto his new ship, and they set sail for Santo Marco, a fictional island country located off the northeast coast of South America. They use the cannons to attack the capital, and then Mastermind creates an illusion of a conquering army marching through the streets. The illusory soldiers are also carrying banners with the letter M emblazoned on them. Wanda asks Magneto if it's necessary to cause such fear in the citizens, and Magneto says, absolutely. Humans are like sheep, they respond to certain stimuli, and fear is one of the most potent. Magneto proceeds to take over the government and recruits his own army to maintain control of Santo Marco. Wanda and Pietro question and oppose Magneto's plans and ideas quite a bit throughout these two issues, and I think that's important to note, because neither of them buys into Magneto's plans, we see them show their consciences, and they are clearly not bad or evil mutants. They have just been caught up with Magneto. Even Quicksilver, who might be a douche, is not really a villain in his heart. And the Wanda we see here, who I think is really who she is, no matter how many writers or directors try to make her a villain. Like, she's looking out for Toad. She's trying to talk Magneto down from some of his bad ideas. And I just think that's very important to highlight, especially about my Wanda. Anyway, the X-Men learn of these events on Santo Marco when Xavier is reading the paper and sees a headline, Tiny Republic of Santo Marco Shelled by Mystery Naval Vessel. He immediately assumes that this is the work of evil mutants, and he's not wrong, but I don't like that he immediately blames mutants for something bad happening. It seems very homo sapien of him. So he sets off an alarm that gets the X-Men to suit up and come running. And when they get to Xavier's office, he's sitting with his head leaned back and his eyes closed. And it turns out that somehow he and Magneto are meeting on the mental plane. How they can do this and communicate this way is pretty hard to explain because Magneto does not have telepathic powers, but gotta just go with it. So Magneto and Xavier's mental projections are arguing. Magneto tells Xavier that he's the one standing in the way of mutants' conquest of the world, and Xavier tells him that he wants to save humanity, not destroy it, and he wants a golden age of mutant and human coexistence. 
Magneto disagrees and says that humans should be their slaves and are mutants mortal foes. I do have a problem with the first part of that statement, and I'm not even going to try to defend it. Then Xavier wakes up from his mental projection and tells the X-Men that they have to go on the offensive to stop Magneto. So the X-Men and Xavier make their way to Santo Marco, where they make a plan to attack the palace that Magneto has taken over. But Magneto is prepared. Beast goes in first and scales a wall, but Toad is waiting for him and kicks him off the ledge, saying to himself that Magneto will be so proud that he struck the first blow. Spoiler alert, Magneto does not care. But then Mastermind joins in and creates an illusion that makes the walls appear to be glass and Beast can't climb up. Angel makes his own attack, and Quicksilver almost stops him, but Angel manages to knock him out. But if Quicksilver is around, Wanda cannot be far away. She shows up, and Angel says that she's hot enough that he wants an application to the evil mutants. Not his best moment. So she uses her hex powers to cause a cave-in, and Angel is captured and brought to Magneto, which he kind of deserves for what he said. By this time, Cyclops has made his way to Magneto without getting caught and fires his optic beams at Magneto and his soldiers, and things look pretty good, like Cyclops is going to win for a minute, but then Quicksilver shows back up and grabs him. This sends Cyclops' optic beam haywire, and he hits an electric generator, which causes an explosion of electricity. Cyclops ends up being able to get the generator out of the building, and then he and Angel regroup with the rest of the team. They make their way through the palace, but as they're running, they come across a wall of flames, which is coming towards them. They think that it's boiling oil, and they panic and end up trapped. But then Xavier comes rolling through the flames and tells them that it's just an illusion. Then we're back with Magneto, and he's telling the Brotherhood that he's rigged two bombs, one in a doorway that will take care of the X-Men when they open it, and a nuclear bomb that will destroy all of Santo Marco. Even Quicksilver is shocked at the level of destruction and death that Magneto is willing to unleash, and Magneto tells him that Homo sapiens would kill the mutants if they just had the chance, so this is really self-defense. Even I am not convinced by that one. The X-Men are on their way to find Magneto, and Beast is just about to open the booby-trapped door, but Xavier senses danger. I guess he's got spidey senses in this issue. And so he throws himself out of his wheelchair to stop Beast from getting hurt. And he survives, but takes, like, most of the explosion and seems pretty concussed. Meanwhile, the Brotherhood is fleeing the island to escape the nuclear bomb, but Quicksilver decides he can't go through with it. He runs back inside to the bomb and defuses it, preventing the island of Santo Marco from being destroyed. And the X-Men are safe, but they're now worried about Xavier, who says that the explosion has knocked his mutant powers offline. He tells the X-Men that they have to carry on and finish their mission to stop Magneto and the Brotherhood without him. And that ends issue number four. Uncanny X-Men number 5 picks up shortly after the events on Santo Marco, with the X-Men arriving back at the mansion with a depowered and unconscious Xavier. Before they can make a new plan of action against the Brotherhood, a car pulls up in the driveway and Jean's parents have arrived for a visit. The X-Men start panicking and they have to race to change out of their uniforms and make everything look normal. Because of course, Xavier didn't tell any of these teenagers' parents that their children are actually mutant vigilantes, so they have to make it look like a chill boarding school. 
So the Greys chat with Jean and her fellow students and tell them how they weren't really sure about the school, but they ended up getting a call from Washington, D.C. to convince them to let Jean come to the school, which sounds like some fake shit that Xavier made them believe. Uh, but they have other things to do that day, so the X-Men give them a quick tour and the Greys leave none the wiser. The scene then changes to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and we see Asteroid M. This is a space station built by Magneto on an asteroid orbiting Earth. But at the station, Magneto is in a bad mood. He has been trying to locate the X-Men, but he hasn't been able to discover their headquarters. He has a new plan, though, with Toad at the center of it to try and find them. Toad is, of course, beyond thrilled to be given a mission by Magneto, even after Magneto calls him a sniveling dolt. Back at the mansion, the X-Men are watching a track meet on TV and taking care of the convalescing Xavier, and they see on the television that one of the runners is actually hopping instead of running and beating all of the other competitors. Then the same guy, which of course is Toad, leaps over the pole vaulting bar without using a pole, and he does some other impressive stunts, and the crowd starts getting pissed because they realize that a mutant is beating all the other athletes. The X-Men are watching and decide that they have to help this poor mutant. Xavier stays behind and reminds the X-Men that he can't use his powers or help them. So the X-Men arrive at the track meet where the crowd is ready to attack Toad at any moment. The X-Men don't recognize him and help him escape from the mob of angry humans. It's all sort of a rush and they escape into the subway and get a moment to pause and realize who their mutant in distress actually is. They pull a mask off of Toad's face, Scooby-Doo style, and Toad makes a run for it. The X-Men go after him, but Magneto is there. He traps Angel in some metal bars as the rest of the Brotherhood shows up, and they manage to keep the X-Men at bay, and the Brotherhood carries Angel away in a spaceship heading back to Asteroid M. Once they have Angel locked up on the space station, Magneto is trying to force the location of the X-Mansion out of him. He tortures Angel with flashing lights and loud sirens, but Angel won't give up any information. The X-Men still have Toad, but he starts getting despondent and says he has to get back to Magneto, and he's in this like completely oblivious state, like a sad little zombie, and he's not paying attention to anything around him or the X-Men. Then he uses a tracking device that's attached to his ankle to summon another little space capsule that'll take him back to Asteroid M. Toad gets in and the X-Men follow, which Toad does not react to. He's like in some sort of trance. When they get to Asteroid M, the X-Men immediately go on the attack, fighting their way past Mastermind. But Magneto's been preparing for this, and he attaches a metal device to his head that amplifies his powers and allows him to control any metal on the entire asteroid. He does stop the X-Men for a moment, but when the X-Men break free, Magneto decides to open an airlock to send them flying out into space. Scarlet Witch tries to stop him and even uses her hex powers on the machinery to, like, sabotage his plan. Uh, Magneto is obviously furious at this and wants to attack her, but Quicksilver leaps in to protect Wanda. Their little argument gives the X-Men time to break in. They manage to set Angel free, and then things go pretty haywire. In the fighting, someone hits the Asteroid M self-destruct button, and it starts tearing itself apart. The X-Men and the Brotherhood each manage to escape in time, and both groups go their own separate way. 
But since they destroyed the base, I guess the X-Men get to claim the win here. Back at the mansion, the X-Men get ready to tell Xavier everything that happened and like how good they did. But the jackass that is Charles Xavier says, Oh, don't worry. I was listening to your thoughts the whole time. He had only faked losing his powers to test them as a final exam to complete their training. And somehow, after everything Magneto and the Brotherhood did in these two issues, Xavier still comes out the bad guy. Just an absolute dick. These two issues are very 60s. Lots of action, but most of it is pretty silly. And I don't know what point uh, Jean Grey's parents' visit had. It's just a weird aside in the whole thing. But the X-Men and Brotherhood are basically at a stalemate at this point. We'll see them again next time when they try to recruit a mutant I've covered before, Namor the Submariner. Speaking of Namor, Grey Malkin Lane recently released a trial of Namor, so go check that out while you're waiting for my next episode. Namor is a very fun character to judge. Um, he walks around or swims around the world thinking that he is the best, and it was a lot of fun to judge him for his many crimes and terrible doings. So go check that out on Grey Malkin Lane. That is it for me today. I hope you enjoyed this look at the Brotherhood and these two issues. They fit well together. I didn't want to separate them. It's weird reading the comics chronologically because I was actually reading newer comics up until very recently, and it's a bit of a trip going back to the ones from the 60s, but they might be ridiculous, but they're lots of fun. So next time I'll continue with X-Men number six. And if you have a minute, please leave a review wherever you listen and tell your friends about the podcast. Um, check out the Instagram at X-Men Unraveled. I'm not going to lie, I've been slacking on pictures, but I'll be sure to add some for this new episode. And don't forget the trial of Namor on Grey Malkin Lane. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. And don't fake losing your powers to your friends. It's just a real dick move. Bye.